Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. You know, our last, last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, was a great day for us as we remembered um, the great sacrifice and, uh, on Friday and the, and the resurrection on Sunday of our Lord and Saviour. But for those in Sri Lanka, it was a different story. Some 250 of our brothers and sisters worshipping in in Resurrection Sunday services lost their lives. What a tragedy. There's too many tragedies in our world right now. So I'd just love it if you'd, you'd stand with me and we pray for our brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Father, our hearts break. Our hearts break for our family. Lord, those whose beliefs brought them brought them to worship you last Sunday and caused them to lose their lives in such a horrific manner. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace on their families right now. We thank you for fresh hope. Lord, on your people right now. Lord, we ask that you would stir us, Lord, stir us to worship you more deeply. Lord, we thank you, Father, that our, that our hope, Lord, is such a threat, Lord, to the enemy. So, Father, we worship you in this moment. Lord, we pray for, for protection of, of your people all over this planet. Lord, and we are, we are honored to call you our heavenly father. We don't, we don't have the words to pray, Lord, in this situation, father, but we, but we just want to take a moment and acknowledge the great loss. Lord, on a day that, that we're reminded of your resurrection for us to experience such loss in, in our families. Too much to take sometimes. So, Father, we ask that your peace be upon your people. Lord, as churches all over the world pray today for this same thing, may your peace be released afresh beyond our understanding, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Take your seats. You know who, uh, let me move, let me try to move on. Let's just transition into something. You know who, uh, who troubles me is David Attenborough. He just troubles me because the Bible says creation cries out the glory of the Lord. And here's this guy who's, who's constantly, he's in awe of creation, this man. And I, I, I'm confounded, I'm, I'm, I struggle with the fact that he hasn't, maybe, I don't know how, I don't know his heart. And I pray for him because 
um, you know, he loves creation probably more than all of us. You know, and no one, you know, Christian fam, Christian people all over the planet, hands up if you get your kids to watch David Attenborough shows, you know what I mean? You know, he's got a love for creation like no one else. And we, we, if you want to, you know, I don't know what we're going to do for a voice when he, when he passes away in, in the time to come. We won't know, we won't know if it's, if it's true or not, you know, whoever's talking, but somewhere along the line, let me please not make a judgment about his faith based on, you know, some evolutionary comments that he makes along the way, you know what I mean? But, uh, so I don't want to make any judgments, but I, I certainly aren't hearing any him giving honour or glory to the Creator. And so that's where my, my, I'm coming from. But at some point, the reality of God needs to be confronted in all of our lives. And eventually it will. Eventually the reality of God will be confronted in every person's life. But during, while we're here on earth, we don't necessarily, um, we don't necessarily confront the things that we want to confront. You know, we heard a lot about the cross this morning and, you know, the, the cross is an amazing place because it's a place of tragedy and it's a place of hope. And it's our, it's our, it's our access, it's the access point for reconnection with God. And we love to, we love to read Isaiah 53 and talk about, uh, you know, when Jesus, when he goes to the cross, the benefits that come to us. Do you know what I, what the, you know, the great peace that I have in the cross is that because of the cross, I actually became visible to God again. Because the problem that God had with me is that He couldn't see me through through my through my sin through my brokenness. Because God is so pure, He is so just, He is so perfect that He can only fix His eyes on something that is perfect. And when Jesus died and rose again and washed us in the blood, we became visible to God again. That's the hope. You know, we keep, we keep thinking about what God can do to us. I'm just so thankful that God can now see me. But it wasn't automatic. At some point, the reality of the cross and the reality of God and what I believed about those things I had to confront. I want to challenge each of us today that, that God wants to confront our beliefs. We, we heard so beautifully read by Sonia this morning, the Apostles' Creed which is a statement of belief. You know, before the, the early church got to carry one of these around, they, they had memorised the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and, these, and, and, and what they believed they took with them wherever they went. And what you believe positions you in life. When, it, when something transitions from an opinion to a belief, when it, when it positions us. I've got many opinions, but they don't position me. But my beliefs position me. People's belief in Sri Lanka last week positioned them in church. And your beliefs make you vulnerable. Our beliefs put us in, you know, in front of people. That's why we, a lot of times we like to have a covert faith. So we don't want to talk about it because our, our beliefs 
position us and make us visible not only to God, but to the rest of humanity as well. So I want, to, I want to start with this statement that we access the peace of the cross by confronting what we believe. We access the peace of the cross by confronting what we believe. The peace of the cross is an interesting statement too, isn't it? Because the cross is such a place of tragedy. It's the most tragic day of history. Yet, there's a peace attached to it. Because because of that tragedy, hope is restored. Relationship is restored. People became visible. The light came on again. As people believe, a spotlight comes on over your life and God can see you again. This year, we're talking about the elephants in the room. This Today, I'd love to take the, take the magnifying glass out of the room and onto your beliefs. I want to confront anything in life that doesn't align with God. You see, confrontation, we don't want to be confrontational people. We don't want to be, you know, I'm non-confrontational. Don't worry about everyone else. Let's swing the confrontation back to your own belief. Why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel this morning. I'm going to talk a little bit about Eli and his sons. Ark of the Covenant, Philistines and Israel. Let's see what we can discover. Eli is one of the last judges and priests before the kings reigned in Israel. And we read in 1 Samuel that uh, he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were priests as well. And, and Hophni and Phinehas were, they were corrupt priests. These guys used to do atrocious things. We're not going to talk about the details of what they got up to, but it's all there in the first, the first chapter of uh, First Samuel. And Eli became aware of um, what they had been up to. And he spoke to them about it, uh, but they didn't change, and, then, and Eli took it no further. And at this time, Eli, while he was judge of Israel, Israel is at war with the Philistines. So we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1. It's up on the screen if you haven't got your Bibles with it. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, we're there with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Can you imagine? Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? 
Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, so the Philistines were afraid. For they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Can you imagine a shout in the armies of Israel that shook the ground to the point where it, sh- it put fear into the heart of every one of their enemies across the battle line? The Ark of the Covenant sometimes called the Ark of the Testimony. Why was it called that? Because it contained Ten Commandments, it contained some manna, Aaron's rod. And also says that God dwelt between the cherubim. Now when the Israelites saw the Ark of the Testimony or the Ark of the Covenant, they were reminded of the greatness of God. They were reminded of what God had already done. They understood that when God was with them, they were, they, they were, victory was imminent. So they had a shout. They had such a shout that it sent fear into the hearts of the Philistines. So we know through this, simply through this fact alone, that we can build our faith and send fear into the core of the enemy through our testimony, through our story. I don't know about your life, but I, when I look back in my life, there's so much testimony, there's so many stories that I, that I can draw upon at any time that builds my faith in God in the middle of a tough time. The amount of, the amount of moments that I've had with God, the amount of the rescues that God has, has rescued me from, generally from my own selfishness along the way, gives me faith today to get beyond whatever my battle is today. And it gives me a new shout, doesn't it? This is why thanksgiving and praise and testimony are so important. As we remind ourselves who God is and what he's done, something stirs in us, a shout stirs in us. And then we can stand boldly together and declare his greatness. I love when there's a shout in the church. There's a great song that we sing. I don't know what the name of the song is, but it's about, you know, I came out of that grave and um, glorious day. And, you know, sitting at the front, I can hear the shout of the church when we sing that line. I came out of that grave. And I, and I think there's, a, there's an understanding. We understand this, there's, this, there's this shout in the church when we understand the liberty of the cross. Because we know that when, when Jesus came out of that grave and we began to believe, we also became out of our brokenness. We came out of our, our, own, our own grave. And I love, that, I love that shout that's in the church when we sing some of these songs. It's just beautiful to see. And here's the thing. When there's a shout in you around the greatness of God, it sends fear into the enemy. When the people praise God, when the people praise God out of hope and out of his greatness, it sends fear into the enemy. But did the enemy run away? The Philistines were afraid, but did they run away? Did they, you know, when they heard the Israelites shout, when they discovered that the Ark of the Covenant was in the camp, what did they do? Let's read what they said to themselves. Verse 9, it says, Be strong, 
This is the Israel, this is the Philistine leaders talking to the Philistine army. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men. You Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tent. And there was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the Ark of the Covenant of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Wow. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. And also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. Beautiful story. It's a different... We live in a different world now. You know, we don't, we don't go and find the Ark of the Covenant to bring into our presence when we, when, uh, when we need the presence of the Lord. The Lord is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. And as we follow him, the issue with God's presence is not that his presence comes and goes, it's that his people come and go from his presence or our awareness of, of, of him you know, ebbs and flows basing on uh, what we're looking at, what we're worshipping and what our focus is on. And as we follow him, we gain a new awareness of his presence. And with it, we're reminded of his ways, of his grace, and of his challenge for us to go and live in his name. Nothing reminds you to live in the name of God by an awareness of his presence. This is why David Attenborough bothers me so much. Because he has an awareness of the glory of God like not too many people do. He gets to see aspects in the beauty of creation firsthand. We see it in, in you know, Ultra HD on TV. He sees it in, you know, in natural full colour. The Israelites realized that without God, they had no chance against the Philistines. So they went and got him. They went and got God. Where's God? Let's go and get him in the form of the Ark of the Government. And let's bring him back. Here's the problem. God was there. The people were pretty keen to win the battle. They were pretty keen for God to, to, to save them. The problem that Israel had is they, they had neglected his ways. Most of all, the leadership had neglected his ways. Eli, the priest, and his sons, who were also priests, you know, the sons were committing offences in and around the temple, and Eli was not dealing with them. 
You know, it's important that leaders in community and leaders in churches like myself and the elders here, that we take responsibility to confront the issues that are within the family. We don't have the luxury of not confronting things because when we don't confront things, we're at the mercy of those things. Here's the, here's the crazy thing, not confronting issues can be just as detrimental as the issue itself. You know, we see a royal commission in our nation right now. You know, we, you know we've seen where, where the church has been challenged, where industry has been challenged, not just on the actions of what we've been doing in our leadership, but on our neglect to confront what we've known has been going on in our organisations. We, we need to confront what is within ourselves. I need to confront the beliefs that are in me so that I can lead well this church with the, with the, under the guidance, the spiritual guidance of the elders. You see, what happened in chapter 3 was there was a young up-and-coming prophet by the name of Samuel. And Samuel hears from God and God says to Samuel this. He says, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons have made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by the sacrifice or offering forever. Wow. Strong words. Here's the thing. Israel thought victory was defeating the Philistines. Could true victory be something different? Could it be when God's people love him completely and love their neighbour as themselves? I think we, we you know, the, the reality of God begins with us confronting what's within. And what's within is your belief. Because your belief is positioning you. Your belief is what is, 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 your belief is what is, is, is positioning you in life. And sometimes in life we can, we end up facing another enemy, which we think is the enemy. But the reality is when we call upon God only when we need Him, it's not very, uh, family-like, is it? See, God can wipe out an enemy for you, but he will not force you to love him. God will not force your will to love him. Victory in Christ is choosing to love him. Victory in Christ is not defeating the Philistines. Victory in Christ is choosing to love him, knowing that whether the, the Philistines win or lose, we still have the victory because we know him. Do not glory in your riches. Do not glory in your strength. Glory in this, that you know me. Victory is a relationship. So what was missing? We know that we can build our faith and send fear into the core of our enemy with our testimony and our presence. You know, Revelations talks about, you know, they overcome the accusation of the enemy through the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
But here's the thing. Israel went into battle without the ark. They went into battle without the ark and, and, and lost 4,000 men. Then they went and got God. They brought him into the, to the middle of the camp and they lost 30,000 men. Here's the thought. If I seek God only when I need something, I may actually be worse off. Strong word, isn't it? We are not here to simply seek God's welfare for us, but to worship his greatness. When we begin with us, we disrespect God. When we begin with him, his will is done. His kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. We know that like the Philistines, the enemy, the current enemy is still also afraid. Do you think the enemy is afraid of God? Do you think he's afraid of, of, of what God can do? Do you think that he's afraid of the omniscience, the omnipotence, the omnipresence of God? Do you think he's afraid of absolutely is? Is it going to stop him coming? No, it's not. So we need something more than coming to church on Sunday, than finding God's presence. Where's God's presence? I need to go on a search for God's presence. What does it mean? How do we do it today? I think John the Baptist said it quite well. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here's the thing with repentance. We think it's about apologizing. Repentance is not about apologizing. We may apologize in the process somewhere because of our old decisions, our old thoughts have caused pain to other people. But the reality of repentance is all about confrontation. It's simply confronting the way you think and changing what you think and living accordingly. Confront the way you think. Changing the way you think. A lot of times it's all the way around the other way and then living accordingly. So when John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he's saying it's time to confront everything you believe, people. It's time you confront everything you believe and look at it through Christ, through the gospel, through his eyes. Why? Because grace is coming to town. John the Baptist says the kingdom of God is at hand. Grace is coming to town and nothing's going to be the same after grace has come. The cross is the greatest line in the sand of all of history. There's more peace attached to that tragic day than anything that has ever happened in history. But that peace is accessed when we confront what we believe. Now there's a salvation message in this, but today this is, not a, this is not about the salvation message. This is about living in victory. The people of God, when we talk about Israel, they are already the people of God. We are the people of God. So when we confront, you know, the first belief with, that we confront is, you know, is this God's son? Is he my saviour? And did God raise him from the dead? We confront that. You know, that cracks the door open. And then for the rest of our lives, God's saying, what else have you got to confront? Not for salvation. 
but to live a life of victory. See, there's beliefs in my, beliefs in my life right now that are holding me back big time. But I'm just not ready to confront them yet. Because if I confront them, those new beliefs that replace the old wrong ones position me in a place of vulnerability. This is why we don't confront our beliefs, because we don't want to be positioned in a place where we're vulnerable to the enemy. You see, from that line in the sand, no longer are you seen through the eyes of the law, but you are now seen as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. No longer slaves, but the light of the world. No longer invisible, but the light on a hill. No longer is the battle against flesh and blood. The battle is now a spiritual battle. The battle is not against the Philistines anymore. It's not against some earthly enemy. It's a spiritual battle. And that battle is around beliefs. The greatest thing that, that holds us back you know, in, in our lives and in our relationships are our beliefs. Our greatest weapon against them is truth. A lot of times we spend too much time defending beliefs that aren't right and not enough time confronting what you believe with the gospel of truth. Say to yourself this morning, everything's on notice. Here's the beauty. I love that, that statement. Truth has no temperature. We don't need to get emotional about our beliefs. We don't need to defend the Bible. God's truth stands alone. It stands eternal. It's never changing. It's always full of hope. He doesn't need us to get emotional about it. He needs us to buy into it. He needs us to live according to it. So say to yourself, everything I believe I'm going to filter through the light of the gospel, through the peace of the cross, and allow your beliefs to be challenged to the point where you are not concerned about it. That's the beauty of our elephant room is we can go and take our beliefs and allow them to be challenged because our our beliefs that aren't aligned with the gospel, we need to allow to be challenged. The battle is a lot of the times we don't know which ones are which because we're so committed to all of them. And you're, because your beliefs position you, sometimes we're so committed to our position that we won't even go back and look at our beliefs. You see, repentance is less about your sin and more about your beliefs. The enemy wants you to get obsessed with your behavior. He wants you to be so worried about you know, what you said, what you did, and the Lord wants you to be concerned about what you believe and where you're positioning yourself because of what you believe. It's not your sin that's stopping you in life. It's what you believe that is holding you back. This is important. When we give testimony, our faith is strengthened. When the enemy hears testimony, they're afraid. But the blood of the Lamb, we access by what we believe. The hope of Christ, we access by what we believe. The peace of the cross, we access by what we believe. Testimony builds our faith, yet to overcome we have the responsibility to confront and deal with what we believe. 
Will you do that? Will you do that with me this morning? Will you take a moment and give God permission, give those around you permission to challenge what you believe? The problem that we have is because we've believed things for so long that to allow that to be confronted, we have to say that our life up until now has been based on a foundation that is false. And that can lead us into depression if we don't have a true hope of God. So I understand why we don't like to confront. Some of us gained a belief when we were were young and we've hung on to it so long that to confront it would be detrimental to our own peace of mind. This is why connection to God is so important. This is why the leading of the Holy Spirit is so important. This is why prayer is so important. This is why the church is so important because as we gather together, it says don't forsake the gathering. Why? Because in the gathering, we allow ourselves to walk through the journey of God challenging us and renewing us and washing us without the burden of while we're vulnerable, we have good people around us. You know what happens when you go out into the world and allow yourself to to be vulnerable out there? Whoever's around you takes care of things. So when you're being confronted, when your beliefs are being confronted, make sure they're being confronted in a place that is safe and in a place that people can support you through the process. What we believe influences the way we live. This is why in 2 Peter 1-5, to we had a whole year's vision on this verse. With all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. These are the building blocks of the overcome. Eli showed knowledge. He went and spoke to his sons. He showed perseverance. He stuck with, he stuck with things. He showed love to his sons, but he didn't confront their virtue. He didn't confront their moral excellence. As we seek God to, to move through our lives, we must learn to confront every aspect of our lives. It's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing for me to challenge you to do it because I understand that it is it is more poignant for myself because I'm the one speaking. I understand that to, to allow every aspect of your life to be challenged by the gospel of Jesus. It's a scary place when we're so committed to the beliefs that we've been living according to for so long. Hebrews says he rewards those who diligently seek him. Interestingly, both of those scriptures use the same word. It says, diligently add to your faith. It says he rewards those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him by adding moral excellence to our faith, adding knowledge, at self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. These are the areas of our lives that we can allow to be challenged. There's many. Remember, this is growth, not judgment. This is not about salvation. By grace, you are saved through faith. Please, this morning, don't, don't allow this burden to be around your salvation, but around your life and around your growth. This isn't about eternal life. This is, about, this is about living in victory every day of your life. Why doesn't the band jump up? And remember, this is about you. 
Anyone thinking of the person sitting next to them? In regard to all these things, it's not about them, it's about you. It doesn't say add to someone else's faith, moral excellence. It doesn't say add to someone else's faith, knowledge. It says add to your faith. We access the peace of the cross by confronting what we believe. Church, we, let's, let's choose to open ourselves, to open our beliefs to be confronted. Anything that doesn't align with God. How do you know it doesn't align with God? Well, there's no, the fruit of the Spirit is not portrayed through it. If there's an area of your life that you're impatient in, if there's an area of your life that you're not loving, if there's an area of your life that self-control is not evident, there's a bunch of things, isn't there? There's, whole, there's nine of those through the Spirit. You can say, okay, where, where are they? Where are those areas in my life? Because they are the little red flags to say that these are areas of belief that need to be challenged in my life. And let's choose to worship God's greatness, not seek only his welfare. There's a warning for us in the, in the, in the Israelites back then under the leadership of Eli. They sought God. Only when they were a little bit defeated, then they sought God. But because they sought him for the wrong reasons, because they sought him for selfish reasons, God had a bigger lesson in mind. Sometimes we think, you know, we think that was a great loss for that, for that day, wasn't it? It was a great loss, 30,000 people. It was a great win for the people of God, for the rest of humanity. There's a great story of God that's bigger than my story. And this is the beauty of allowing my beliefs to be challenged. Because whether I eat today, whether I survive today, whether I go to church to, uh, and, and I'm offended today, whether, I'm, whether I have a good job or a good, a good wife or a good kids or whatever, the money in the bank, whatever those things, they, not, they do not define the peace of the cross in my life. What defines it is what I believe and where I'm positioned. Like Israel's army with the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence is in you. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we can render the Holy Spirit who resides in us powerless when we choose to believe a lie instead of submit all of our beliefs to him. So I want to challenge you, church. If you're part of this church, your beliefs are on notice. They're going to be challenged not by what I think. They're going to be challenged by the perfect gospel of Jesus. They're going to be challenged by the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's evident because of what you believe, because of how you've positioned yourself. They're on notice, church. Start shaking because the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace and the grace that goes and peace that goes beyond your understanding is coming toward you. But he's coming toward your beliefs first. We tend to think that confrontation causes division. And we tend to think that because it does. 
And God wants to divide from you those beliefs that are holding you back. He wants to divide from you those beliefs that you are so committed to yet are so destructive toward you and your family and those around you. He wants to liberate you by confronting them. Not addressing our beliefs allows the enemy to rob us of our power, of our hope and of our peace. Why don't you stand with me this morning, church? Repentance is not about your sin so much as it is about what you believe. Will you allow your beliefs to be confronted, church? Let's confront every belief with the truth of the gospel. Your beliefs are getting challenged every day by the media, by what you read, by the people in your world. But let's make sure we're allowing them to be confronted by the truth of the gospel first. Let's allow the living word to wash our beliefs. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your sufficiency. We thank you for your purity and your hope and your perfection. Lord, as we heard from Mrs. Fuller this morning, we, we, we heard you're coming back for a spotless, for a pure bride, Lord. And we ask, Father, that you would challenge us deeply today, that you would challenge our beliefs, that you would challenge our hopes so that we can come into full alignment with you, so that we can access further that peace of the cross. Lord, we thank you that that great and tragic day, Father, has given us the ability to be visible again to you. Lord, we thank you simply that you can see us again. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.